Welcome to the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Gerald Borgay. Welcome, Valley boys and girls, to another episode of the Valley of the Suns podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Borgay, and we've got a very special guest for today's show. He is the Suns editor and reporter for Arizona Sports, podcast host for Empire of the Suns, and the consensus MVP of Suns Twitter, Mr. Kellen Olson. How are you doing today? <laughs> Stop it, Gerald. Um, I'm good, man. We're, we should let the viewers, or the listeners and viewers know we're recording this at 1.45 in the morning, and I, we were joking before, you need to define someone who is crazy enough to... Uh, watched the WandaVision season finale as it came out and t- willing to talk about it this late. And I was saying, I'm very surprised it's taken me this long to record a podcast episode this late because I'm always usually up this late, unfortunately. So yeah. happy to be yeah. here, man. I'm excited. Yes, we are coming to you from part two of Drake's EP, Scary Hours <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> a lot going on on this Friday, but we're going to get started with a little bit of Suns talk, obviously. Um Suns are pretty much at the halfway point. They're 35 games in, heading into the All-Star break. They have the second best record in the West. Uh, Kellen, what is your biggest takeaway thus far, aside from the fact that the Suns are somewhere I don't think a lot of people expected them to be at this point? Yeah, just how just how good they are. Um, our pal uh, AZ Sports Zone was kind of tweeting out, Zona was tweeting out, um, like the half record. Did you do that? The win loss predictions. And yeah, I, I was he's done game, that now. I was like one game behind. I think I had one more win than you did on that list. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always get last in that every year. I think we've done it three years now or two years now. And I always predict the least amount of wins, which is on brand for me, obviously, but I did not expect them to be this good. I thought that there was, I don't know. You understand this really well. And a lot of people listening understand this very well. Very simple formula of like Chris Paul equals winning, but I just wasn't sure how much and with how horrible things went before last year. Um, and cause like there were good things that happened last year, but before that it was really tough beyond Devin. Um, so I wasn't sure how big the jump was going to be. And it just felt conservative to say like, okay, yeah, like five, six, seven seed. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. One of the top five teams in the league at the halfway point didn't didn't expect that. Didn't expect to be able to confidently say that they're one of the five best teams in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. but they are. Um, and I think it's just general surprise at that being a fact. But when you actually look at what's happening, and it was like the one of the tweets I had when Chris Paul came here was just tweeting out his win loss record in the last ten years, just to like reinforce to the people who were skeptical about this, it's like you don't understand like however you feel about him being like 35 and like maybe washed or whatever the guy just wins Mm -hmm. so if the Suns are going to like not meet expectations they're still going to win they're not going to be like an under 500 basketball team or anything like that but seeing it at this level 24 and 11 at the break now um Mm -hmm. surprised but at the same time it's it's Chris Paul I'm like this is this is what he does Monty's a good coach they have talent so yeah yeah, no, I, I'd, I'm pretty much right there with you. For me, I'm surprised how good they are, despite the fact that they have so many fluctuating lineups and the blown leads. Like, they could be even better. Um, but that that their most used lineup 
is that CP3, Booker, Mikhail, Crowder, Aiton, starting five, um, has played 304 minutes after tonight together, and it still has a minus 4.9 net rating. And oh, they're okay. still 24-11. Yeah, me, me and Kevin that. actually randomly were messaging about it, Kevin Zimmerman, and I said, yeah, minus 6.4. So it just went up quite a bit, but that's, yeah. it's still, that's still insane. Right. It's so tonight, crazy how they got here. <laughs> tonight did them a lot of favors. Um, yeah. But they've, they've, been, they've tried a lot of things because the Crowder thing wasn't working. They put Cam in the starting lineup, and that didn't really work. And then Kaminsky is working <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but they have all these blown leads. You know, they have the Pistons game where they were up by like 23 and lost an OT. Um, you know, the Thunder game, that was a 17-point lead. The Hornets game, another 17-point lead. And then the Nets, of course. I mean, that's a good team even without KD and Kyrie, but still, that's... That second Denver game, too. They played really well and deserved to win that. Yeah. So even yeah. if you... And they had they were up by like four on the Grizzlies with like two and a half minutes left. Both of those Nuggets games that went to OT, they could have won. I mean, they could easily... Even if you just throw out like the Nuggets games, because those are good teams and good teams lose to other good teams sometimes, like they could be four or five wins better and they could be the number one seed in the West if they, you know, weren't going through the stuff that young teams go through when it comes to learning how to play with leads. So yeah. pretty encouraging where we're at at this point. Um, I do want to ask you about Devin Booker because, I mean, it was pretty well documented that he was off to a kind of slow start for him to the season at least. Um, and then since he came back from that hamstring injury, he has been pretty terrific. I mean, tonight kind of bumped his numbers down from the start of February, but he was, he looked a little banged up out there. What, what have you seen from him since he kind of returned from that hamstring injury? Being more of himself, I think. Um, I often talk about, and I had to kind of preface it in the first like three or four weeks where I just hold him and you, you do too, I think in saying that, talking about the slow start, I think a lot of Suns fans do just hold him to such a high standard because of how great he's been. And just knowing that once he got the help around him, he was going to be even better. So the fact that he wasn't even as good as he was for like the last two years for the first 10, 15 games of the year, whatever it was, mm -hmm. it was, um, it wasn't concerning or anything. It was just mildly surprising. But yeah. once I heard him, you were probably on that post game where he was just like, these are pickup games with higher stakes. I was like, Oh, it's going to be a while. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he needs like another like week or two before this starts to get going, which is, which is perfectly understandable given the way the season came up on us and me and you were two of the biggest people on Twitter being like, boy, this is fast. Yeah. <laughs> this is fast. Like this is probably going to not help in some ways. And it turned out like the product itself, um, you'd be the better person to ask than me. Cause I haven't watched as many league wide games in the past couple of weeks, but it feels like, the quality of play has gotten back to where it should be in the past couple of weeks. But with him, it, it's funny that you talked about um, the way the team won and like the blown leads and the, the lineup and everything, because with him, it's just been so surprising how they haven't needed him. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they, he said it himself. He was like a lot of these games we've won. Our bench has just bailed us out. Um, mm -hmm. And so to have that, be the way this season unfolds where they're eight and eight and they're lucky to be eight and eight because their bench has been so great uh, was really surprising. And then Chris started to get going right in that mix when he got hurt that second Denver game. And then the OKC game, he was, that was, I think the best he's played maybe outside of that Dallas game where he went nuts. 
Yeah. Um, and then and then he got going. He was always going to get going. But Chris was the one you'd have more questions about just because of his age. But even then, you knew you were going to get a certain level from him. Just not sure how high. I don't even know if I thought this high to be honest. But yeah. book's been awesome in the past month. And kind of what I talked about a bit in some places in the off season was like I don't know what his ceiling is this year because I've we haven't seen him <laughs> play with someone like Chris Paul or just a even if it was Rubio back again and it was this supporting cast. It's just like such a good well-rounded deep team that we don't know what it looks like for him when he plays with these kind of guys we got a little preview of it in the bubble and it's like 30 a game and not losing <laughs> right. so with this it's like man like he's just I don't know like if he you can rule him I was like I don't know if you can like do you want me to say he's not going to make first team all NBA I can't say that like mm-hmm. I don't know how much better he's going to be and I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out even better in the second half because you look at his splits over his career and in February and March, he usually goes berserk. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged like 30 a game or more in March and just got even better. Yeah. I'm actually kind of, uh, I don't want to, I'm going to say it now because I might as well call my shot ahead of time, but I really do feel like if the Suns keep at this current pace, we're going to hear finally for the first time ever, some legitimate Devin Booker MVP buzz, and he's not going to win it because Joe, Joel Embiid has been sensational Nikola Jokic has been the best player in the league, but he'll be on the fringe of that conversation if he carries on at the pace that he's at. And that's a bold prediction, but I'm going there because I feel like the Suns are, I mean, their second best team in the NBA right now, just by record, second best point differential. And Book, since he came back from that hamstring injury, is averaging 27 points, four and a half assists, almost four rebounds, shooting 53, 39, 86 splits, and the Suns have gone 14 and three. So, I mean, that's kind of what, like you were saying, we didn't know how much of the bubble to buy into because eight games is such a small sample size and the conditions, like the circumstances of it all were just very different. The Suns had more to play for than anybody arguably in the bubble as far as those teams that weren't really legit playoff contenders. Um, but it's it's been great to see that kind of come to fruition and see him be able to play meaningful basketball minus you know an ejection in la or two <laughs> yeah i had to ask him that question that way because i was like man we've been talking a lot about you getting in these games and then you get in one and you say one word that a ref has been probably called dozens of times already this season <laughs> and you're gone oh, oh yeah stupid. just brutal um but we should you mentioned the bench play that has also been a huge surprise I mean, I, I was very impressed with the job James Jones did in assembling kind of the, that bench, um, bringing Dario Saric was huge, and he's actually been even better than I thought, more important than I thought he'd be. Um, because, man, we, we can't ignore that as much as CP3 and Book coming to life over the last month or so has played a part in the turnaround, Saric, it's not a coincidence that he missed a lot of the time that they were struggling early on. Um, what, what stood out to you about this bench and just how many different pieces there are to it? Pain for sure is, is the place to start because I went into the off season saying, do not go into the season relying solely on this guy to be the answer there. And they mm-hmm. kind of did that with each one. And I think that with money going back to the stagger in those two games, when pain sat, you saw like, okay, like there are two different versions of this. Payne can just run it with the second unit when they're flowing well, but if they're not flowing well, it can be more playing off of either Book or, or Chris and then running a little bit of the offense because I think it is important and it was good 
that Moore got those 10 to 15 games that he got, whatever they were, where he was the backup point guard running the offense. So then if you don't want to have Booker CP run it all 48 minutes, you can go to him every now and then. Mm-hmm. But Payne was so great in like the first 15 or 20 games. I remember talking about it with Brendan Clean a while ago and just saying like, he's one of the three to five best backup point guards in the league. I just, you think of the best backup point guards in the league, not a lot of names come to mind, but he's one of them that should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the last two games, he's gotten right back where he left off. He got hurt. Like it was, and, it, and he tried to play through it and then he took his time coming back and it just takes a little bit of time to come back from that. Um, great to see him playing that well the last two games though, because I might've been talking about it with you at a game about a month ago. I'm not really sure, but with guys like that, it's like, you just don't hope that it was like this little blip because right. of how long his career was because he, it took him a while to get to this point. You nailed it on Dario, man. I love Dario out of the draft. I always loved watching Dario on Philly, but the big problem with him, especially in that Minnesota year was just how inconsistent he was. And we saw it for the Suns minus the bubble but then he gets in super great shape for the bubble, even in even better shape now. Mm-hmm. And it's not like him being out of shape was costing him. It's just with him in better shape, he seems to play so much more confidently. Uh, and I just see such a change there. Um, and I think it's just those two, like those two guys are two of the most valuable bench pieces in the league right now. I think you can really look at how much, better pain played and I think he had like five or six games where he wasn't that great maybe but he's been awesome and then Dario if he keeps this up and and by this I I mean like the 12 to 14 points a game whatever it is now like 20 um he'll be a six man of the year candidate for sure we're we're getting there and if you just have those two guys you just need a little bit chipped in somewhere else and Mm -hmm. Frank has been amazing um (laughs) it's hilarious I replied to someone like that a while ago like Two years, uh, last year on the Suns, he was way worse than he's ever been in his career. And this year, he's like the best he's ever been in his career. By There's like no middle ground. It's just awesome or not good at all. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll take the awesome right now for sure. Cam Johnson has been okay. That's such a tough role that he's in right now, mm-hmm. being like the de facto third wing and just some nights getting 12. He did it last year, but um, it's still tough to do this year. Etwan's been good in in, in little stretches. Um, Langston Galloway, I mean, at the beginning of the year, Javon right. is someone who I think is going to get another crack at a spot pretty soon, and we'll probably take advantage of it. It's a deep, good team, man. We, I, when you talk about depth like that, it's like, okay, well, how many guys can you really play in the playoffs? I think it was like we knew Dario, like if Dario came back the way he looked and we knew Cam uh, Johnson, but we didn't know about that after. But when you look at the way Payne and Sarge have played, you're legit seven right there. And I Cam Johnson's definitely in there. So it's legit eight guys they have legitimately. Mm. And that's enough for the playoffs. Like that's, that's all you need. So you're a deep team. Right. And they, that's especially in a COVID stricken season like this, where guys are going to be in and out of the lineup you know, Cam Johnson missed tonight's game due to health and safety protocols. We're hoping that he's okay. Um, but you need that kind of depth. And, and it's crazy that the sun's bench has been this good and they don't even have minutes for Javon Carter, Langston Galloway right now. I, I think Carter's going to work his way back in there too. But those are two guys that early in the season were doing great off the bench as well. Uh, kind of hit some rough patches here and there. But like, and they don't even, <laughs> they're not even playing right now. So this team's depth is absurd. I think, and Sharich, like he, to your point, he's been one of the most impactful bench players in the league. Just, I mean, like <laughs> he's a team high plus 9.2 
in point differential, which is just stupid. For His net rating is still like not going down yet. And it's at no. an insane <laughs> pace right now. It's like at 18. Do you have it in front of you? It's got to be yeah. like it's, it's It's high up there. I think it was at like 17 or something like that. Oh my tonight. gosh. Like we it's saw that stupid. seven game sample size before he got hurt or, or before he got COVID. Mm-hmm. you're just like okay like i'll go down to like but it'll still say like seven or eight. no it's just staying at like <laughs> it's just there it's it just insane. lives there now um but yeah, yeah. And, and like kaminsky who <laughs> i mean dude's 10 and one as a starter i you don't want that as your playoff rotation i'm sorry but he's been good and abdul nader even nader comes in and just does that like he gets blocks or he'll hit threes or he's just not afraid to attack the basket and shoot stupid shots sometimes but they go he's in gonna and play. he's good. Yeah. And he's going to play too. I've, I've tried to reinforce, like when Max was tweeting about him the other day, I DM'd him and I was like, get used to it. Just because <laughs> me and you have, like we've covered basketball for, you've done it longer than I have, but we've watched enough to hear coaches in any sport just continuously talk about a guy and bring up a guy out of nowhere, just say he plays the right way, he's in the right spots. Nader is that guy on this team. Um, mm-hmm. And there are things that he does that, the untrained eye, which I will even like qualify as us who cover the team, seen every second of the last five, six years, um, can't see it, the things that he's doing right consistently. And he's that guy for sure. And it's great that the production is coming with it too. I tried to ask it to him in a nice way tonight where I was just like, yeah, you've been getting time now, but like production's there. And like, you're really like going off. So right. with all that stuff, but yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. I forgot him because he's, he's going to be a part of this and, gosh, if he, if he plays like that, that fourth wing with a little bit more like slashing, like Monty said, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've got a really good mix and Monty has continually brought up the way that that group plays together, plays with energy. And it's pretty evident when you watch him play and it's nice to see, especially with connectors. He he loves that word connectors like Dario Saric and campaign. He loves that word for Saric and for Frank. It's a great term. It's a great term. And it's applicable to both Saric and Kaminsky and Payne, honestly. But yeah. um, My next question for you, we've, we've been, you know, ranting and raving about how good this team is. We're only halfway through, but do you, does this change your perception of the Suns as a legitimate contender or do you need to see more first? I've not fully answered this question anywhere yet. Um, <laughs> as you can tell by me, I like to bring up what I said previously. It's just a weird twitch night in my brain. I've gotten used to it. So <laughs> the way I'll answer and the way I've always thought about it is if you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on your team, you are in a series against anyone. Just mm-hmm. flat out you are. But... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think that people really need to not need to. That's that's an aggressive way of putting it. Um, there needs to kind of be an under. I said need again. The understanding <laughs> is that yeah, they should <laughs> consider. Great. Oh, excellent. See, you're a born editor, Gerald. Even even in this medium. Um, Book, Mikel, DeAndre, three of the four best players. They've never been in the playoffs. They just haven't been. So I really, I am someone who, when Jimmy did what he did in the playoffs. I was like, I think I tweeted it like top. He's a top five player in the league now. I don't care. Miami's off to the start right now. Gerald, I don't care. (laughs) You see what he did in the finals in those two games in the finals against LeBron James, maybe the Mm -hmm. best to ever do this. He's a top five player in the league. I've Mm -hmm. always been that type of person when Jamal Murray did that. And it seems like he's come back down to earth, unfortunately. But when he did that, I was like, oh, he's a superstar now. When Jokic did that two years ago, remember he had that insane like post all-star break stretch then he had mm-hmm. a great postseason. It's like, oh, he's a superstar now. 
I'm someone who takes a lot of weight into what's being done in the playoffs. And I think I would feel differently if it was somewhere else, Gerald, in a different situation where maybe it was just one team with postseason experience. But you look at the Clippers, that's so much experience they have on their team. Even yeah. Utah, just as a, as a unit, they've been together now for a couple of years now and have been in playoff series with each other. Obviously, the Lakers. Uh, mm-hmm. But even if you look at a team like Dallas, got the experience last year that's really valuable. Right. I'm not saying that the Suns are worse in the playoffs than the Mavericks. I don't think that's going to be the case. But they have the least playoff experience of any of these teams that you're looking at um, outside mm-hmm. of like Memphis, I guess. But obviously, Portland is another one where it's like uh, Rocco is a new addition, but I, Derek Jones Jr. kind of comes in, but he got experience last year. Yeah. Um, they have Chris Paul, they have Jay Crowder, they have these other guys like Dario who have played there before, but they're really relying on these guys who've never been there. And I'm not saying that means they have to be worse by any means, but I'm just someone who takes a ton of stock in like what happens in the playoffs and having experience there. So for me to label them as, con- as a contender means that I would believe that they have a shot at making the finals, which means I believe they have a shot at winning the finals. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, but I yeah. do believe in what I said earlier, like they're a top five team in the league, but mm-hmm. I just think if they came across one of the other three top teams, the Lakers, Clippers, or the Jazz, I'd have hesitations about picking them just because of their experience. Right. And I, I, I feel that too, because I racking up regular season wins like this team is doing right now and, and putting together, you know, the second best point differential, them and the Jazz are like the only two teams in the top 10 for defensive and offensive rating. Um, or at least they were heading into the night. I'm sure that's probably still the case, but um those all look nice and they're great for a team that, you know, we would have just been happy to see this team in the playoffs this year, to be honest, just taking a step forward. So Devin Booker can check that box finally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like you put them in a, like no one's going to pick them over the Lakers or the Clippers in a seven game series. And I wouldn't blame them for that because we've literally never seen Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Deandre Ayton, Cam Johnson, in that situation before I think Booker Half those eight guys we talked about half of yeah <laughs> I think Booker would I think Booker will shine in his first playoff series I, I think the bubble was a preview of that um but you know I if, am I convinced that DeAndre Ayton is going to be able to stay on the floor in a playoff game even Mikel man like yeah he's it's we've seen it this year um I think that he's been rock solid and been very good but talking about book and him going from like a top 30 player to a top 15 player, which he's around now. Um, mm-hmm. Mikel going from a, an impactful, super impactful three and D guy to a guy that averages 15 points a game. It's just a hard leap to take sometimes. And yeah, I think that he could have some trouble with consistency in the playoffs in terms of impacting games offensively, like we've seen, and they're going to need that from him in those playoff series too. That's the thing you need 15 a game from Mikel in those playoff series. You need Deandre to be locked in the whole time. It's, it's a lot to ask for out of young guys. It's a lot. It is. I, I think the one thing that might actually work to their advantage, oddly enough, is if they are in a playoff series, they might be able to meet DeAndre's kind of unspoken criteria of give me an assignment every night. <laughs> and I don't know if that actually happens because matchups can be a real bitch in that situation. Yeah. But, you know, just something to keep in mind. I let, Let's talk about potential Achilles heels while we're on the topic because – I mean, obviously the inexperience, we've mentioned that. That's a big one. Um, I do worry maybe whether Aiton can stay locked in, whether he shrinks from the moment in his first playoff series. I think that might be something that would be outside his comfort zone at this point. Um, But is there anything else aside from the giving up double-digit leads that stands out to you as a potential weakness for this team? 
Well, when we were looking at the bubble last year, that potential play-in game, we were looking at Portland and Memphis. And I think something I talked about two days before that was, it's very interesting that you look at Portland running pick and roll with Dame and Nurkic. And then you look at Memphis, Ja and Jonas. And it's like, mm. okay, DeAndre's going to need to defend that a lot, a whole lot. And I, it just started that thought in my head of like him in a playoff game, him in a playoff series and that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he's still very confusing to me. That's what I say on our podcast uh, like six weeks ago, uh, four weeks ago, about two weeks post four game dominating the stretch. I was just like, I don't get yeah. this guy anymore, man. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't mean it in like a super negative way. It's just even when he plays well, I don't really know what we're supposed to take from it. You mentioned like the assignment thing. In some of these games that he's had lately where he hasn't played that well or just been fine, he's had that assignment and he still hasn't really um, played that well. The Minnesota games, um, I hate to say this because I think that we should have higher expectations for him, but I think it's just kind of where we're at right now. The Minnesota game is really the banner game for me because he was just solid. He did a lot of things right. There was no fumbled bounce passes. There was no missed defensive assignments. There was no hesitation around the rim. He was going up around the rim. He had a couple trips to the foul line because he caught it around the rim and went through the contact. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't just, I think our friend Rich tweeted, like this guy went through a whole game of not doing anything where I rolled my eyes. And then he did the spin way up thing. (laughs) I was like, come on, man. That that was Rich. But it's like, it's uh, to Rich's point, he didn't do anything in the whole game that just Mm -hmm. made you like, and he's due for like, it feels like, the average of those, like if it was a statistic, it was like, okay, like three or four a game, his rookie year, maybe even more depending on the night. But then Mm -hmm. last year it was down. It was down a lot. And now it feels like it's higher than it was either of those years. So I think for him, it, that's where it goes for me. It, 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 it goes to him. It's, uh, it's him entirely and not even just the Achilles heel thing. It's the ceiling of this team this Mm -hmm. year, next year, The year after that, um, everywhere, it really comes down to him. And that's a lot of pressure. But at the same point, they, like I said, they don't need a ton out of him. Uh, The Lakers game was another one, Gerald, where I thought there were a couple ones where LeBron's in the post books defending him. He's standing under the rim. It's like, you got to realize your help's there. And he was missing it a couple of times. Yeah. But outside of that, he was very solid in that game. Um, The defense was there. Um, but I think that he's been far more inconsistent this year. And just if you have anyone you're relying on that much that is that inconsistent, I don't care if it's a center, a point guard, whoever, you're not going to get far in the playoffs if you're relying on someone like that. And they are relying on him that much. That's why Chris Paul's never going to stop yelling, get up, DA, every time that <laughs> there's a miss. He's going to keep yelling it every single time because he knows how much they need him. So mm. I think it really comes back to him. I don't really see um, anything else like a – maybe yeah. there are certain like matchup styles where like a team with a couple big wings does anyone I mean like the Clippers I guess it's like who guards the other one like right Jay and Mikel I guess but then Mikel has to try his best on Paul George and that that's just like that's really tough for Mikel whenever a guy has a strength advantage on him mm. um, but yeah it comes back to the big fella but in, in positive and negative ways yeah, I, I, I think so too. And I, and it's not to like label him as the weakest link or anything like that. But like you were saying, this team will like its ceiling is totally determined by how locked in he is on a night to night basis, especially when you have the playoffs in mind. Um, I really hope he is up to the challenge. It would be nice to see that from him in his first playoff series, but we have about 37 more games to wait till we get there. Um, the other thing that stands out to me actually I think the Suns are going to get much better at this, and I hope that they play in quite a few more clutch scenarios with this. 
Um, but they're surprisingly only 10 and nine in the 19 games where they've had clutch minutes. Um, and they're actually a minus one overall. So they're like right about dead even in clutch, which you would expect they'd be better with Chris. Hasn't Paul gone up as Booker. much as I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually kind of surprised. Was really, it was really bad um, at the halfway point. And that's kind of what I was, I wrote something and I was just like, there's no way it's going to be this bad. Like it's just impossible. right. Went up, but like, it's still down there. That's a, not concerning, but like you said, the net rating with the starters, they've got stuff to figure out. That's a good point, Gerald. Right. So, and they've played the third most clutch minutes in the NBA. So they've, they've broken about even, but it is, and it's going in the right direction. They were off to a bad start, but it's, it is something to keep an eye on. Devin Booker was bad in the clutch to start the season. Um, so, you know, just weird things happen sometimes and the numbers will write themselves eventually. You know who I don't want to see in the clutch? No, no, Playoffs. you do not. Suns Holy fans, you do smokes. not want a series with the Blazers. That man is God, God. <laughs> in he, the last five he's minutes. tweeting about their net rating right now, dude. He's shooting 60 freaking percent in the clutch right now, and he's yeah. taking like the most shots of anyone in the clutch, so he's there all the time, and it's just – he did it's it again absurd. tonight, didn't he? Yeah, he did it again tonight against the Kings. Like a little 7-0 run, and he's like, game's <laughs> over. Yeah. He's a superstar, man. I love him, and I, mm-hmm. I kept saying like – uh, there was pre pre the season starting talk um, of them being overrated. And I was like, I'm, you will not catch me saying a word about that man publicly like that. Like Mm-mm. you should fear him. Like you said, <laughs> no, you, you say everything nice about that man. Anytime you're asked a question about him, <laughs> because he's going to put it up on his chalkboard at night. They're getting CJ back too, man. They're not going anywhere. No. And that's, what's amazing is they're at where they're at with Nurkic and McCollum missing more than half the season. To this and Rocco just looks done. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's one team. That is the thing. I think if the Suns win even one playoff series this, this year, that would be a very good year for this team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, especially when you look up what their first, like we were talking about Dallas, they, who's got Luca and a little bit more playoff experience, Portland, who's got Dame, um, the West is just loaded no matter where they wind up in those top four spots. They're still going to get a team that could present problems. So San Antonio, man, even like beating oh, yeah. the way DeMar's playing this. DeMar's legit, man. Like dude, yep. that top 50 stuff was ludicrous going into the year. Like that's a top 25, 30 guy in the league, man. He's awesome. Yep. That's uh it's going to be fun to keep an eye on this team because we've never, we haven't had to worry about problems like these <laughs> in the past five, 10 it's years. Naturally though, you think? Like, yeah. do you agree? Like, I've just, me and Kevin are just like, yeah, they're a playoff team. We don't feel weird saying it. Feel like we're jinxing the no. team. It's like, no, they're legit. We've we watched a lot of basketball. You have too, man. This mm-hmm. team's super legit. Right. And I, I felt like they would be a playoff team heading into the year. Everything I've seen to this point has reaffirmed that. Even when they were eight and eight, um, you know, our, our buddy Shrieker was saying, I'm buying all your stock. Give me all your stock. Like, <laughs> wait it out. It's coming. Yeah. It, it's come and we're here now. I feel like the playoffs are going to be a thing for this team. And we'll finally get to see Devin Booker in a playoff series, which is exciting. But uh, I think that's going to do it for Suns Talk. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right. So for today's G-rated segment, the reason we are recording at like 2.30 in the morning, <laughs> the so WandaVision excited. finale was tonight. Um, and I, I had only I had done a WandaVision segment a few weeks back, like after episode three, because crazy stuff was going on. Um, and we got our finale tonight. Kellen, just your initial thoughts on the way that the show wrapped up what is probably going to be its only season. I thought it was pretty good. Um, 
I have been, I'm, I'm really interested and like excited to talk about it with you because I haven't had many friends who have gotten into it. Um, so I haven't had many conversations about it. Mm. And I've been much lower on the show than other people. I, to kind of like explain it when she, uh, when Catherine Hahn's character, like I can't remember her name, Agnes, right? Yeah, Agnes. Okay. So when Agnes said like, you're the Scarlet Witch, I laughed out loud just because she said <laughs> Scarlet Witch. And it was just like, come on. Like, I, I, I thought it was cool. And it like delivered like what we're supposed to be hyped up. And obviously with the way the finale, that was important to establish like the Scarlet Witch is coming. Mm. Um, but it, I think it's so cool that something like this exists where mm. it's just, there's so many things inside of it that are there for the people who really, really dive into this stuff. Like yeah. the the white vision thing, I just saw that at the end. And I was like, oh, they're making another vision. And it's like, no, like this is like a comic book thing that totally <laughs> exists. And then um, the agent Monica, like she becomes like this other like hero apparently that I have like, obviously I don't mm -hmm. know about this stuff. Like I'm a fan of the movies and that's why I watched the, the series. And to compare it to, to Mando, you're, you're probably like having more fun watching Mando than I am because I think you're you're up to date on like the Clone Wars stuff and like all the yeah. little references in there. But right. for me, I never felt like my enjoyment of the show was hampered at all by not knowing any of that. I never mm. just went, oh, what's that? But like, even with like the post credit stuff in this episode, I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, like, alien, I don't know what that alien is. Alien <laughs> lady shows up and points at the sky to talk <laughs> to some person who I have no idea who they are. And then even the end with... um even the end with Wanda was like, there are two, like, I don't understand some of it. I just yeah. don't get it. And it, and it, and it takes away from my enjoyment of it a bit, but it's still like the last two episodes, especially Gerald, I thought it got off to kind of a slow start, but uh, mm -hmm. last week's episode was like great. Like one of the best Marvel things that's been produced ever. Like a lot of people said, and I thought this week put a bow on it pretty well. I thought it was really good, but that's like my, been my personal um, experience with it where it's just a lot of me going like okay time to read the recap and see what the hell is going on because I don't understand like any of these references or anything but um, to like add one more thought that I wanted to mention um, I love the Avengers style TV show thing they're doing with just like the little side characters coming in yeah. that's maybe been my favorite thing because um, is it Agent Wu is that his name yeah. Like he was, he was just great in the Amen movies. I loved him and seeing him like, Oh, it's that guy. Great. Yes. And then like Kat Dennings is here. Fantastic. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. And it's just like, if every Marvel show on Disney plus is like that, where it's just a couple of those, like you got me, I'm it. So yeah, no, that's, you bring up some really good points because as someone who's a big Marvel and star Wars nerd, like I'm so close to it that I'm kind of used to just like either knowing the references that they're bringing in from all different spaces or like immediately looking them up afterwards. Yeah. Um, so that is cool because I don't like other than Mando and WandaVision, I'm struggling to think of a show that I like followed religiously week to week and would just like dive into everything that was written, all the podcasts, like after each episode, it like builds up the anticipation and the appreciation for the show and, and just kind of the, mythos surrounding it um like mando like watching clone wars i'm really glad that i did that and rebels too before mando because when they brought in ahsoka for the first time that was like legit almost teary-eyed moment like we're, yeah. we're getting live action ahsoka yeah um so in this one I, I feel like there wasn't quite that same obviously character reveal like that and and 
Mando had two of them because it had Ahsoka and it had Boba Fett, which was just sick. <laughs> like and the, the the season two finale. Oh my like, god! The and then biggest yeah, of the biggest. Yeah, I didn't which even was like. Ooh. I never. I just thought it was like not that it was too generic. I was just like, no, <laughs> no. And then it just like keeps happening, and then the it comes in, and you're like, no. Yeah, and no one. And he's that's like, a, no one thought he's got it was the hood on be him. now. Yeah, he's not under like, the hood. It's not him. It couldn't be him. Yeah. And that it, was that was a teary-eyed nerd moment for me. Was that I was like, oh my god, this is so. Oh cool. yeah, because we barely got to see Luke in his prime Jedi form back in the day, so that was kind of cool. Even if it was all you know CGI or whatever, I thought they did a good job. But yeah. Anyway, with this show, I feel like they kind of threw a couple of curveballs, and I don't know if you're aware of these. Like obviously, there was the big reveal of her brother Pietro, who was played by the guy who played that same character in the X-Men series. I actually caught that reference. And, yeah. I was like, Whoa. and then I was like, <laughs> multiverse, I think yeah. is what that's called. <laughs> yeah. Because like, yeah. Whoa. Everyone that jumped to that. Everyone jumped to that. And it made sense because, you know, if we've got Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness is the next movie. That was Spider-Man, the big thing, yeah. Spider-Man 3 apparently is going to bring the old two Spider-Mans into the picture. Um, so we thought like, okay, Wanda in the comics is originally a mutant. She's not, you know, and they kind of explained that a little bit in, in her like backstory last week, which was a really emotional episode that like she yeah. had powers before they started, you know, tinkering with her with the mind stone or whatever. Yeah. But we thought this was opening the door to mutants to like X-Men characters coming in still possible but this episode they acknowledge like... the door's existence they're like we <laughs> yeah. see the door it's over there not yet but we we're not know touching it's... it yet <laughs> yeah. that, dude just like john favreau on the mando too it's like shout out to nerds man because how hard is that to like weave in those little things but in very mm-hmm. subtle clever ways and like right. whoever thought of the pietro idea like what a genius like yeah without shout out to nerds man like it's yeah. just like I would never be that smart to like think about the ways they like in the magic stuff with Wu. It's like, I completely forgot about that until someone posted like the card trick thing. And then when he did the cuffs, you're like, oh, this is such a, sh- oh yeah, he does magic. Yeah. He knows how to do this. Oh, that's God, great. It's such good like writing and stuff. It's crazy. It is like the callbacks and the continuity. Marvel is pretty much unparalleled in, in building those, those references that they that's- know that people are going to find them and appreciate them. And they do it in a way that's like subtle enough so it doesn't feel forced or like, you know, like those fan, what are they called? Fan, uh, fan, basically those fan moments where they just appeal to the fan for no reason but to a fanboy, fangirl, yeah. Yeah, that type of stuff. So, like, it's when when she shows up in her uniform, like, you don't want that to be too shticky and be like, here you go, nerds, hope you like the way it looks. But it it worked (laughs) perfectly, it was really good. And the yeah. and the costume looked great. Like that was yeah, she looked that awesome. was a dope. That was a dope costume. Shout out to Elizabeth Olsen holding it down for the Ian and Owen Olsons everywhere. Yes, she's, she's, she's terrific in this. So she good. was the range yeah. of just like you know corny old timey sitcom humor to genuine emotion and like comedy in between. Like she did a great Julie Bowen impression when the for the Modern Family episode. Like. And Paul Bettany too. Paul Bettany was great as Vision in that, which is pretty exemplary for a guy who's playing a synthesoid. <laughs> so, um, really impressive show. I felt like 
the one thing that I was let down by, and this is just part of the territory when you're like diving into this kind of shit every week to week, like all the extra stuff, the fan theories of where it's going to go. Yeah. I thought we were going to meet a character called Mephisto. And in your research, have you come across this character? No. Okay. You, could, you so. could be making this up to like make fun of me and I have no idea what so, you're talking about. No. So I, I haven't researched enough. I got to be honest. Like it's, it's more of a care thing. I never really cared about Wanda or Vision and in, in the movies, to be honest. So I, I don't fair. have like an emotional <laughs> invest. Yeah, which again, like I don't feel wrong in saying that. Um, hmm. But yeah, go on, explain, please. Yeah, so, so I thought Vision was, I thought Vision was kind of meh in the movies and Wanda, I, I liked her, but I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was just surface level, you know? This really dope, like we never got her origin story. We got this with WandaVision. Exactly um, what you do with this thing, just. Yeah. Flesh, really out, flesh your, out your character. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like I wasn't really excited about Falcon and Winter Soldier either, the upcoming Marvel series. Now I'm more excited about it because I feel like it's not going to be the same. I like this different approach that they took with this show, but I feel like fleshing out those other characters in TV shows is a good way to get us to care about them more once they pop up in movies again. Um, but it, so as far as Mephisto goes, in the comics, there is this storyline where Wanda um is grieving and she creates children but they're just like in this show they're not real they're just kind of illusions or whatever and to give them substance to give them souls she basically makes a deal with this demon character named mephisto Ooh, that's who's cool. basically like the devil and he gives them substance he gives them souls shout out satan yeah yeah but mephisto is basically <laughs> an eater of souls so he devours her children Whoa. And then she's just grieving. And I'm reading all of this online. I'm like, holy shit, that would be amazing. That sounds, <laughs> like, that sounds so cool. Yeah. I want it like, now mad, like retroactively. Yeah. And there were a bunch of like tips that it could be Mephisto that people were reading into that we're not sure if it was just Marvel winking at us or if it was just, you know, misdirection or just a circumstance or coincidence. But like there was the part when like very early, first one or two episodes, she keeps referring to her husband, Ralph. And she says things like, oh, he looks better in the dark. And like Pietro, when the kids run off, he like calls them demon spawn and just like little I, things like that. I noticed that. Okay, so <laughs> I even noticed that. So yeah, yeah, I thought there was, it felt like with the husband, especially I was like, that's gotta be someone, right? Like we're gonna get another, I just forgot about it though. Cause again, just in one ear out the other for me. Yeah, I, just, I mean, cause there's so many different things going on, so many different avenues they could pursue. So we were expecting the cameo to not be, you know, vision, but white. <laughs> we were hoping it would be <laughs> Mephisto. <laughs> but, Can I ask you something? Now yeah. that I have like someone ask these questions too. Um, yeah. So Vision touches White Vision. Right. Is he transferring himself to, is that how we're supposed to interpret? That's kind of how I interpreted it, that he now exists in that White Vision, even though he's not really Vision. Right. So I was a little unclear on that as well. And I'm sure that tomorrow there'll probably be a massive article written about <laughs> it that'll explain it. But yeah, I was confused by this as well because vision real vision who became resurrected as this white vision he had the mind stone just taken out of his skull like he was murdered in that instant no mind stone no vision um straight up murdered yeah at the end of i think it was infinity war shuri was trying to upload his i don't know yeah. consciousness or essence whatever to her computer we never saw what happened and she got you know snapped away by thanos but 
I'm assuming that they uploaded enough of it to where Vision somehow knew how to activate that. I, I'm unclear on that because I feel like without the mind, the whole key to this is that Vision has all the body parts, but no mind stone, which is what made him what he was. So it's, it's unclear if that vision is going to be real vision, if he's going to be a different sort of vision or what, what's going to happen. Yeah, that was, there's so many, these types of stories are doing so much where it's hard not to like swing and miss sometimes. Like when the kids were like kids on the ground screaming and calling out to their mom, pretty tough stuff. But like, I didn't give a shit about those kids. I'm sorry. They don't exist. They're not real. (laughs) They're not real. I'm sorry. I don't care. Um, (laughs) And like vision, the same thing. It's like, you're already dead, my guy. Like, I don't like those kind of parts. So like those kinds of elements of these stories, it's really difficult to kind of um, hone those in. And like, I'm glad they didn't focus too much on it. It was, it was weird how Agnes was kind of like speaking truth too. Um, I think that they, I didn't like, um, I guess I'm like saying my negatives now about it, but the one thing I didn't like the most in the finale was when Monica tried to let her off the hook for uh, the mind control of all those people and like telling right. her like they don't know what you you were like going through she or whatever and it was yeah. like sacrifice. It was such a weird word to use, and it's like yeah, yeah she's like save the world with these people and stuff, but like that doesn't give her the right to like the. <laughs> They really pounded home, Gerald, how horrible it was for those people. Right. Like, we have your nightmares and like all this horrible stuff. It sounded so like it sounded yeah. like hell. It really did. Mm-hmm. So I thought that they really pounded that home and like they could have just embraced the fact more that she was kind of a villain in a lot of ways, but then they tried to let her off the hook at the end, which is makes sense. Yeah. She's an Avenger. Like you don't want her to be super evil or anything, but uh it was still yeah. like just to talk about it in this way is still like that's that's part of what I'm talking about. It's like it's so cool that things like this. I cannot imagine the people who like grew up reading the comics, who saw White Vision for like the first time in a comic book or whatever, like oh, however yeah. many years ago that episode that uh, issue came out, and just seeing it now. Um, like mm-hmm. like you were saying with a what's her name from Mando? See, I don't even remember her name. Ahsoka, who Rosario? Oh Dawson yeah, was. Ahsoka. Yeah, Ahsoka. That's how, that's her name, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that's me on these things. Sorry, but <laughs> like that. Like you're saying, like wow, like and and she looked great and she was awesome in the show. Um, so I can't imagine like the emotional um, thing going there. It's it's very cool. Yeah, it, it's. I, I think with the I was also kind of a little let down by how they dealt with the whole not anti-hero thing with with Wanda but sort of like the fact that she was a complex villain of sorts in this like they they could have they they really did be like okay well she's still an avenger so it's fine <laughs> but it's i i did i feel like i connected more with to your point about like when the kids and vision were like on the ground like getting whisked away basically i felt like i connected more with Wanda's grief of having to finally confront these things that she's been running from um and i had said this after episode three because i had thought that this whole thing was we we weren't clear at that point but i thought this was something that she some reality that she had created because she never got that family life that she wanted with vision um and so there was like a kind of twinge of sadness and, and tragedy to it that she was holding this whole town hostage just to live out, you know, her suburban housewife fantasies that she would never get with this dude that she fell in love with. Because she's straight up delusional for the first half of the show. She's yeah. just like, <laughs> no, just right. keep saying no to people about it. 
like i don't know what you're talking about it's like are you so you're straight up delusional yeah that was tough i think but that lot the storytelling last episode on the grief like really tied it up well it was really good it 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 made us care a little bit more about why she was doing this and, and sympathize with her even though I felt like it would would have been a little more intriguing if they hadn't let her off the hook so easy in the end. But yeah, you know, we'll we'll see where the show. Well, the show is obviously going to end. I don't think they're. You can't really duplicate a show like that. But it will be interesting. The spinoff to see. of the spinoff probably has another spinoff <laughs> coming. Judging yeah. by the credits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, stuff. I I don't know what to make of the credits though because I like I don't. I don't understand. Like there were two Wandas. Like one is just chilling in a cabin in the woods, and the other is doing some serious Scarlet Witch work. And here's her sons calling out to her. So maybe we will get Mephisto in the future. Because um, in the comics, Agatha is actually more of a mentor than a Agatha. Mentor. I, call, I called her Agnes the whole time. Agatha. That's her well. Name. So that was her name as the neighbor, and then she was like, oh. "Actually, I'm Agatha." So you were right. Oh, okay. You were right. Hey, um, how about that? <laughs> yeah, you got hey, it. Hey, I want to be I want to be chilling <laughs> with no one to bother me in my sweatpants in the middle of nowhere in a cabin. So shout out to shout out to Wanda. Yeah, shout out to first that's, Wanda. Second Wanda, whatever she's doing. Please. Second Wanda, whatever she's doing in the back room, she needs to chill out because that's you don't want to go down that road. <laughs> Do you think it was just like as simple as like we're teasing that like these demons aren't so far like removed from her than you might think? She might have th- taken in something from the like yeah from, uh, crumbling a uh, homegirl Catherine Hahn yeah I, I think the takeaway there is that this because Catherine Hahn kept referring to her as like you're the scarlet yeah. witch like you don't know what you've unleashed you don't know what you've let loose and I think what she's let loose is this other right alternative like powerful witch that and she mentioned the sorcerer supreme that she's stronger than even the sorcerer supreme which is Dr. Strange um, yeah. that's his his name I thought we were going to see Dr. Strange actually that was my yeah. prediction for the cameo but uh, yeah it's going to be interesting okay. to see where they go from here one more question before we go to sleep so sure. um, oh my god I had it and I lost it oh is it Jean Grey from X-Men who turns like basically kind of into the villain like she has so much power she can't control herself do you yeah. think that's kind of where they're going to go with her eventually do they go there in the comics at all where the Scarlet Witch takes over it's like the same kind of X-Men storyline with Jean Grey and the Phoenix, I think she is. Yeah, the yeah, she becomes the Phoenix after she dies and then like resurrects and she's basically X-Men 3 was a terrible movie, unfortunately. Oh, but it was bad. Yeah, it it yeah. did play out. That was one of the and then they tried to do it again. They do, tried to do the Dark Phoenix storyline again in another terrible X-Men movie, like Shout years out later. Sophie Turner. Get that yeah. X-Men money. Yeah, get that it. X-Men money. But <laughs> um yeah, so I'm pretty sure that at some point in the comics, Scarlet Witch has to go either go bad or be a real threat in that way. I would assume so because she apparently plays a big role in Doctor Strange 2. So Avengers uh, 7, there it is. Boom. Yeah, it's coming. Now we just and gotta got, figure out five, six, and eight and nine and fourteen. And oh yeah. And we've got more wait, superheroes. Monica. I, Monica is gonna be a superhero. To your point, she was uh I don't know if you saw Captain Marvel. Oh, but the whole pointing up thing that was um, in Captain Marvel, there was an alien race, those green, the green alien that she saw. Yeah. And like yeah. they're like shapeshifters and one played by Ben Mendelsohn, who was fantastic in Captain Marvel. He's yeah. basically the guy that she was referring to one of those alien people that became friends with Captain Marvel and helped them save the world. Yeah. Um, I, I got to be honest. I didn't retain much from Captain Marvel because I'm I've been a huge Brie Larson fan forever and I was just so disappointed during it. I was like, 
oh man like dude, it was very average so much, huh yeah she's so like she should be able to knock it out of the park with like a like a marvel movie which is like all marvel movies are at least good and the fact that hers wasn't one of the ones that was good is just was disappointing for me as a fan of hers yeah. so i didn't really like the whole like watching experience for you was just being like oh man poor yeah. Brie. <laughs> yeah, like, but was... i think this i think i'm actually excited for the future ones because i think like they've got like like she's going to be better and like the second one's going to be pretty good i think but that was one of those things gerald where like the screenshot of her as a kid monica and then like her i was like okay <laughs> yeah, like sure didn't catch that at all <laughs> great oh uh, that's great well Callan, thank you so much for coming on the show especially at uh, scary hours tell the people where they can follow you on twitter if they did i mean if you're listening to the podcast there's a good chance you already follow us already but where can you find your work on twitter and online and pods and all that good stuff yeah, so ArizonaSports.com, my, my day job is running that website. So please go to that website as much as you would like to. But I mean, if you're an Arizona sports fan, I really like to guarantee that we do a better job than anyone else of just covering all the teams here. Uh, Cardinals included, D-backs, Coyotes, it goes down the list. Um, Kellen Olson, K-L-A-N-O-L-S-O-N on Twitter. That's where I am tweeting weird jokes during the Suns game, like comparing <laughs> Dario's athletic ability to bouncing on a bouncy house. Cause that's just the way it goes for me sometimes. Um, Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at empire, the Suns, we just tweet out when the new podcast is out. Me and Kevin have been doing that for like four or five years now. Um, I think you've been on there. Have you been on there? You did a couple of lockdowns with me. I know that. That's why I'm glad yeah. I did this too. Cause I, I, I got some, I got some back cause I owed you already for sure for coming on before. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's where I'm at. If you if you don't dislike me after this, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Absolutely impossible. You are. We we literally have the award to back it up. MVP of oh, Suns Twitter, man. <laughs> no fake awards. Zona's not a real me- credentialed media member. He's a hack. They're the they're the Suns Dundies, the Sundies. But uh... <laughs> oh, I got it. It's such such a great idea by him. It was, it was, it's always fun to read those, but uh, anyway, that's going to do it for our podcast tonight. Um, Thank you everyone for listening. Please go ahead and write me a review um, and leave some TV shows or movies behind that you would like me to check out. And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll talk about it on episode, but uh, for the Valley of the Suns podcast, this is Gerald Bourget signing off.